Welcome to the uh, Inside Golden State Politics podcast. I'm Bill Boyarski, a former city editor, uh, columnist, and political writer for the Los Angeles Times. And I'm Sherry Bebich Jeffy, self-styled media maven and retired professor of public policy communication at USC. Great. Well, Sherry, you know, I've been... Uh, Look, following the news, of course, and it seems to me that California Governor Gavin Newsom and Mayor Eric Garcetti of uh, Los Angeles, uh, neither of whom were major media figures uh, no. before, uh, have really vaulted into public prominence and are doing a terrific job uh, during the coronavirus uh, crisis. Well, you know, Bill, I have never been a major fan of either Gavin Newsom or Arcetti, but you're right. This Their handling of the coronavirus crisis has really made them visible, has really proven to be a, a glimpse into their leadership capabilities. It's kind of interesting uh, when you think about it. Somebody said to me, well, the other day, they were looking at, and we'll get back to this later, but they were getting back to uh, alternatives to a Biden woman ticket. And they said, first of all, well, what about Andrew Cuomo and Gavin Newsom? And what about Andrew Cuomo and perhaps Eric Garcetti, who hasn't been as high up on the elected ladder as a governor and might settle better, they said, into the position of vice president. And I'm telling you, these guys are steady. They're articulate. They can relate to their audience in a way I never thought they could relate to their audience. Um, there is empathy, but it's a quiet empathy that I haven't yeah. seen before. Well, well, it is. You know, another thing is um, they both uh, uh, put out the uh, don't leave the house regulation on March 19th before anybody. I mean, they were they were right out there and they did it without any um, argument or controversy. They just did it. They just did it. And Newsom was the first state governor isn't tight. The first state governor to, to put into effect the stay at home order. And uh, that's pretty impressive, I think. But again, you know, wow, it's California. We're pretty good when we put our minds to it. <laughs> well, you know, it is, uh, it is, it is interesting. We're seeing the what rise of the governors. We're seeing the rise what? of the governors. Now, Governor Newsom, Governor Cuomo, um, Governor, Governor DeWine, of, yeah, of Ohio. Uh, these people are, um, even in their own states, uh, were not getting a lot of attention. And a lot of it, interestingly enough, one reason these uh, governors weren't getting the attention they deserved is the decline of the Capitol Press Corps all over the country. You mean in the state capitals, yes. And state, particularly the, in, Cal in California and Sacramento. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. But, you know, when you read reports from capitals all over the country, the decline of everything when we were both up in Sacramento. 
Yeah, but remember then, in the early days of television, almost, uh, there really were, there were at least three network cameras, uh, affiliates up there, no more. And certainly no cable. Cable has been from the get-go focused on national politics. The only time we see, for example, California politicians are, as talking heads is in crises like the one we're in now. That's right. Now, you can turn on the television at noon every day and you'll see the governor of California. And then at 515, uh, either on television or streaming, you'll see the mayor of LA and they give you these really complete reports. Well, it's a, it's sort of a reversal of this uh, pro uh, Washington power. That yeah, but Trump forever. still commandeers two hours. Cuomo, an hour or so. But I may be wrong, but I've yet to see live coverage of any of the press conferences coming out of California, and I find that very interesting and, quite frankly, pretty stupid. Oh, yeah. You mean on, on, on the cable stations? You bet. On national yeah. stations. But you know what's going on? You know what I linked this to? It became very clear to me because early on, Donald Trump sort of abrogated this crisis to the governors, to the states, Remember when he said, we're not a shipping clerk? Well, hell, he's the chief shipping clerk, and he's starting to do it now. It, you know, it kind of ding, ding, ding in my ear, my history mm-hmm. from high school. And the first constitution of the United States of America, the Articles of Confederation. We're here in the new era of the Articles of Confederation, where the states... You used to be the colonies way back then, are the power. And the federal government it had only those powers granted to them, powers with regard to international affairs, powers with regard to an army, but states even could get, have an army if they got the approval of other states. You've got the governors looking like, A, they have really, they had grasped more powers until now, it's changing, than the president, and they have moved policies way before the federal government has. We're back, you know, the Republicans, I guess, should be rejoicing that this is another era of states' rights. But quite frankly, Bill, I don't think this is the time there ought to be this fluid of federalism in this country. Well, the reason uh, the reason the federal government became so powerful really uh, goes back to um, uh, the Depression and Franklin Roosevelt, when he had to increase the power of the federal government uh, to fight the Depression and then to uh, fight World War II, and and that was that was the beginning of it all, and that showed that there are some problems that are so great that just cannot be solved by uh, by individual states. And what do you have now, Sherry? You've got you've got states competing with yep. each other for medical supplies. Over you eBay. Governors on the phone begging somebody to send them some stuff. Uh, that's not really the way it's 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 supposed to work, I don't think. 
Well, it's a little bit of social Darwinism. That's for sure. But let's not forget that even before Roosevelt moved in the wake of the Depression and then the Second World War, he started out taking power away from what was then the power, the political bosses on the local county and state level, which allowed him to move even further. I don't see that coming to be. I see power being brought back and media focus being brought back to the elected officials in the States. You know, uh, this is, uh, we're, we're two great political scientists. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as I was wondering, is, is this going to change the way that uh, we look at politics and government uh, forevermore after this is all over? Only a political scientist who believes that he or she knows it all would even attempt to answer that question. I don't know. I mean, I really do not know. I mean, there are, there are talking heads and political scientists who wring their hands at, woe is me, everything is being destroyed. I don't know. Do you know? I mean, is this a one-off? Will it happen again? What will be the fallout from what is happening now? I'd be lying to you if I said I had an inkling of a piece of knowledge about that. Well, if more people die all over the country, uh, I think there'll be a realization that... Um, 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 Washington has to do something about it. Correct. And there'll be a, and there'll be a feeling that, um, uh, you know, this, there are some problems that are so big, uh, like war or things like that, that only the federal government uh, can uh, cure them. But no, I, I don't know either. I think that um, we're in um, unknown territory there. But now that you say it, I don't know if you've seen a recent article about what is being called the coronavirus coup, wherein um, autocrats around the world are basically moving to consolidate power to do things by executive order uh, in Brazil, in Turkey, in Venezuela, as a means using the the coronavirus as the excuse for broadening their powers and for concentrating powers. And I don't know what the answer to that question with regard to the United States is going to be. Well, you know, now you, you, you shouldn't have done this, uh, Sherry, because now, 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 now you're bringing up the crazy Bill and his view of Trump. <laughs> okay, go See, for I, it. I always, I always thought from the beginning, from the very beginning, uh, that the guy was an autocrat at heart and really mm -hmm. didn't believe in democratic institutions. And it was always my fear that uh, he would just as soon uh, get rid of him. I won't go into some of my um, crazier things that I wrote. I actually, I actually, I wrote this for truth dig and uh, I compared him to Hitler. And a lot of people said that I was really crazy. And yeah. I said, okay, you're, you're right. Right. More like, more <laughs> and like why? Muscle. And why? More, and I said, maybe he's more like Mussolini than, than, than he Hitler. made the trains run on time. <laughs> I don't think so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my fear is, 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 uh, I still think he has these 
autocratic leanings. And here's my fear. My fear is that it's going to be a really close election in November, really close. And uh, and uh, uh, the Democrat, if it's Biden or whoever, uh, wins by uh, two points and just car- barely carries Michigan, barely edges in. And it's one. It's going to be an election where there's going to be a lot of controversy over it. Where the votes counted right? Was there was there fraud and all that? So I just raised the question: Do you think that Trump would recognize an election like that? It's a very good question. Remember, it took a month, at least a month, in two thousand to get to the point where we had a recognition, one way or another, of the election. Um, and I would assume that if the Republicans decided to go to court, they'd go to court. And then the question becomes how far up does it go and what does the Supreme Court do? And then we'll know whether or not Trump actually demands to stay, to redo it, to stay in office. Goodness knows what might happen. I wouldn't bet my house that he wouldn't protest and not recognize. But again, you know, I I don't know. Well, so I'm not so crazy. I didn't say that, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I don't know. You know, one of the things that um, uh, people are, we, we really just sort of skimmed over them in our, in our uh, tribute to Governor Newsom was <laughs> Governor, Governor Cuomo. Oh, my, yes. Although I have to tell you, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I do have to tell you that lately he's beginning to wear a little thin on me, except today when he brought in the fact that his brother, Chris of CNN had the virus. He was so empathetic, so open, so real and so thoughtful. I'm back to watching his news conferences. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he really, uh, uh, he has, he, he has a, a real warmth about him. And the other thing that he has, uh, that, uh, um, where he trumps Trump and Newsom does too, they have a real firm gla- grasp of policy, both, uh, yeah, Cuomo, yeah. both Cuomo and, um, and, and Newsom are, and Garcetti, they're policy wonks. I mean, they, they really get into in part. Yeah, they get into all the details of all this stuff, and uh, um, you know, they they understand it, and uh, that is a uh, uh, that is a difference with Trump, where where you, right. you get the feeling you get the feeling that he get, he's handed these briefing papers, and then he kind of goes over them. And then he goes off them and it becomes even more uncomfortable. Now, you know, a lot of people may like that. His they way. Think they, they, yeah, they, they, you know, they like Fox News. They think that he's got a grasp of it. He's in charge. He's got all of these um, people in back of him. Uh, uh, he's got his, his two great doctors come up and, and, uh, and, and kind of, reinforce what he's saying and he's a big guy so he seems in charge hey maybe that works i don't know well it works a little bit but it 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 
it isn't giving him a humongous lead in the approval polls. He's up a bit in his approval. He's up significantly in his approval of the way that he approaches the virus crisis. But, you know, this happens to any president who is faced with a major crisis, be it war, be it health, be it economic. And in relation to the other presidents, including Roosevelt, George W. Bush, George Herbert Walker Bush, and Barack Obama, the balance that Trump has received in the polls is not that dramatic. And it's probably a bit ephemeral, as all bounces are for presidents. Well, yeah, uh, that I, I have a feeling that I have a feeling that that's right, and um, and I have a feeling that if this thing uh, 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 um, uh, gets worse, it's going to be uh, worse for him. Of course, you know, uh, talking about uh, uh, Cuomo. Uh, we as we before we started in with the um, with this crisis, it looked pretty certain that the presidential campaign uh-huh. was locked was locked in concrete, right? I mean, you had well, Biden. We're not sure which concrete, but <laughs> you had recently. Biden beat Bernie yeah. pretty much. Well, he you know he has an almost insurmountable lead in Delaware. Biden does. Right, right, and. Uh, and so here we have uh, Biden, who is the one person Trump really didn't want to run against, being the Democratic nominee, and versus Trump. And we thought that was the way it's going to be. But certain things have happened. Uh, uh, Biden has sort of disappeared. He, well, yes, he's in a he, bunker. He, he's, he's in his basement. And he hasn't figured out a way of attracting attention to, um, you know, hey, I'm in this basement. Pay attention to me. He hasn't figured out how to do that. (laughs) Come on down to the basement. (laughs) Well, Bernie's out there just a little bit, but neither of them are getting anywhere near the free media that Donald Trump is gaining. The presidency is always the bully pulpit. But this is a campaign that has just stopped and is frozen in time, particularly with regard to the Democratic side. It's astonishing to see. Golly, if I were Biden and, yeah, if I were Bernie Sanders, I would be so frustrated about all of this. Yeah, I would be too. So there's so now you're getting people who are writing and speculating. What about um, Cuomo for the Democratic nominee for president? Why not that? Well, you'd say that. Uh, well, that can't happen. I mean, the convention's going to be in July. If, uh, if there if, is a convention, in if July. there is a convention, um, um, Biden's got all these delegates locked up. He's the favorite. Um, you can't, you can't change things, but you can. You first can. of all, first of all, remember, he doesn't have a majority of the delegates. He needs 1,999 delegates. Now he's 300 delegates ahead of Bernie, but he does not have the majority needed to win the nomination on the first ballot when delegates are pledged. 
after the first ballot, superdelegates can vote and delegates are freed from their pledges. That's risky for Biden. Well, Sherry, since you uh, since you went back to the Articles of Confederation. Yes, I did. Uh, let, let me <laughs> let me bore our, our uh, listeners with a little more history. Uh, I won't go back that far, but I will go back to 1940. And the question was, can somebody who had no delegates, who came from nowhere, could that person be nominated from the convention floor and get the nomination. Now, that is what happened to the Republican Party in 1940, where the, the, the two favorites, uh, Taft and Vandenberg, I think, were on their way to battling it out for the nomination. And a, a part of the internationalist wing of the Republican Party were very concerned with um, what the fate of the United Kingdom, of the UK, and very worried about an isolationist president. And so they got the idea of nominating somebody who was really unknown, a Wall Street lawyer named Wendell Wilkie. <laughs> and he had been in no primaries, he had been in no caucuses, he had nothing except they, his backers, who were pretty smart politicians, packed the galleries, with supporters, and they let out the cry, which went down in history of, we want Wilkie, we want Wilkie. And it didn't stop, and it didn't stop. And he emerged from that convention as the Republican nominee and ran against Roosevelt in the 1940 election. So could this happen again? We want Cuomo. Well, I think you know, part of it was that the front runners in 1940 probably realized it was futile to run against Franklin Delano Roosevelt and went into hiding. And then, you know, it made it that much easier for somebody like Wendell, Wendell Wilkie to move into that vacuum. Can it happen this time? I'm not sure. And one of the reasons I'm not sure is that on the second ballot, if there is a second ballot, the superdelegates come into play. And from what I can see at this point, they'll be more allied with Joe Biden than with Bernie Sanders or probably with anybody else. They are, uh, if not a majority, many of them uh, aligned with the establishment wing of the Democratic Party. I'm not sure the arithmetic is there, Bill. Uh, I just don't know. But again, if, you know, if nobody can find Joe Biden, if Donald Trump is out there and things are not going his way, if Andrew Cuomo is still attracting the kind of admiration or at least interest that he is attracting, hey, all bets are off. Remember when almost everybody said, Donald Trump, he's never going to win. Well, who knows? Right. right. This, uh, you know, this is something that we've been talking about and we've talked about it at the beginning uh, is what we're going through now going to change politics and government and throw out the old uh, throw out the old rules. Well, well, Sherry, this has been a very interesting conversation, I think. 
I think we have a lot more to talk about, Bill. Uh, you know, I do. And one point I want to make about the convention before we sign off. I've been to conventions. You've been to conventions. I'd be real happy if it were done virtually. Good Lord, they're crazy. And I'm too old for this. Now, let's sign off. Wait a minute. We oh, 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 a pub public service announcement. Don't forget the census. Thank you. Oh my you, goodness, we, let's do. You, a you've big gotten one. you've gotten your notices in the mail. You can you can either return them by mail. You can do it online. You can do it by phone. But it's very important that we all take part in the census. Because in the census. Because it has to do with representation, and California is at risk of losing one seat in Congress, and it has to do with remuneration, how much federal funding we get and for what programs. So we'll get a little bit more into this in another episode, I think. But for now, Bill, I click because the sun is going down. The sun is going the down. Somewhere in the world, I click my wine glass on my computer. L'chaim. Me too. Oh, yeah. I am. <laughs> we'll see you next and time. And don't forget us on Sketcher. On Sketcher and Spokio. See you next time. Be well. Bye-bye. <laughs>